Welcome to Radio Imagination. This is an exploration of the life, work, and influence of the author Octavia E. Butler. I read about people and the different ways of being human. And you can't really do that unless you write about a lot of different kinds of people. She was a science fiction writer born in Pasadena, California. I think I had one choice, well, two choices. I could become a writer or I could die really young. I'm Savannah Wood. This year, a decade after Butler's death, a group of artists and writers will explore her archives at the Huntington Library and bring you a series of performances, film screenings, and literary events, all produced by Clockshop, an arts organization in Los Angeles. Here's Tom Carroll, the creator of Tom Explores Los Angeles. What's the line between hoarder and self-preservationist? Seemingly inconsequential in life, receipts, to-do lists, pencil sketches all seem to take on new weight after one has died. For Octavia E. Butler, a self-described pack rat, she began filing away pieces of her life from an early age. Since the Radio Imagination Project involves artists and writers working in Butler's archives, we wanted to drill down into the specifics of the archive itself. So I started with a simple question. How big is it? I asked Natalie Russell, assistant curator of literary manuscripts at the Huntington, this question. Russell spent three and a half years organizing Butler's vast archive. The manuscripts, the correspondence, and the photographs are all what we call single-item catalogs. So each of those individual drafts, individual letters, and individual photographs have their own unique identifying number, a call number. And those numbers go 1 through 8,000. What does it say about Butler that she had the foresight to save so many things? Or was she just an overly nostalgic hoarder that held on to her childhood drawings? Well, you might like to think that she had this, you know, visions of grandeur and greatness that she would want her archive preserved somewhere. But I think she was too humble a person for that. I think uh, I've come across the phrase where she was a self-described pack rat, and she just simply couldn't bear to give things away. And lucky for us, I, I think she was one of those brilliant pack rats who actually saved all the right stuff. She maybe just didn't know it at the time. The first time actually I ever read any Octavia Butler was some of that original manuscript material. I really got to see a see a side of her that I don't think everyone gets to see because you got to see both the public person and the private person in the papers that she kept and she kept almost everything. How many boxes arrived when they first came to the Huntington? When they first came to the Huntington, we received two four-drawer filing cabinets full of materials and an additional 35 cartons, so think like a, a banker's box of materials. And it is your job to go through every single file and organize them. How, how did you mentally process starting that? How to start? You kind of do things in waves. You. You start with a, a very broad sort first. So the first thing I did was go through everything, um, keeping an eye out for any kind of organization Octavia herself might have had with the collection. If she specifically created any kind of organizational schema, we didn't want to destroy that. But as is very common in authors' papers, particularly something that comes from an estate, there's not much organization there. Um, so at that point, you begin to impose an organization. So the first thing I did was go through sorting manuscripts and correspondence and other kinds of ephemera. 
with the one, two exceptions, I should say. One, if there's something that it, it looked like Octavia had some kind of organizational scheme herself. And two, if something was clearly together, if there was a letter that enclosed a manuscript, I didn't separate those two things on that first pass. Among the 8,000 plus items carefully chronicled at the Huntington are original manuscripts, news clippings, colorful notes, and one thing that remains a mystery to Russell. Weirdest thing I came across in the archive was something that I call Pandora's Box. And Pandora's Box was two sheets of binder paper taped together around the outside and placed in a three-ring binder. And on the first sheet of that binder paper, it said Pandora's Box in, under, in Octavia's handwriting. And underneath it was a variation of some sort of curse, you know, woe be to those who look upon what lies within, something along those lines. I mean, talk about a curiosity piece. What on earth did Octavia put in this box? Now, because it was in a three-ring binder, I was simply able to take the taped pieces out without um, destroying the envelope-like object that she had created, this Pandora's box, and find out what was inside. And what was inside was a desiccated, empty bag of potato chips. When authors are alive, the only sense of process we get comes from interviews they do or public appearances, the author choosing which side of themselves they want to project publicly. It's only after they die that we get a glimpse of their obsessiveness, their insecurities. In 1999, Butler moved from Altadena to Lake Forest Park, a suburb of Seattle. In the spring of 2006, she stepped out on her front porch and collapsed, falling to the pavement below. Reports differed. Butler died from some combination of a stroke and the subsequent fall. She was 58. Among those shocked by her death was Sue Hodson, curator of literary manuscripts at the Huntington Library. She drove Butler to and from events, taking the time in the car to discuss where Butler's papers would end up. Butler chose the Huntington, quietly informing Hodson on one of their last drives together. I never thought that I would actually see her papers. She was about my age, and I figured that I'd be long retired by the time uh, we would get a, a bequest of her papers. But then, very tragically, she died too suddenly, too young, too soon. And so the papers did come to us. And I am just as blown away by the papers as I was by meeting Octavia and reading her writings. She, is, she was a magnificent writer, just unbelievable. And we are so thrilled and honored to have her, to have her papers and to know that she selected us. Every time we get a new collection, and people start writing to us and they're interested in it and they want to get into it and when will it be available I start keeping a list of people that I will email as soon as we can announce an open date in previous collections the highest number of people I had interested would be six with Octavia it was 43 Manel George is one of four writers who've been working in the archives to create new work She's a writer and journalist who has made a career of documenting African-American life in Los Angeles and had Butler on her list to interview. I knew her. We crossed paths. I went up to Seattle where she gave the keynote for 
the Black to the Future convention. We spoke there. I always thought the interview would happen, but she passed away a couple of years after that. I got closer to her than I think I would have if I had interviewed her. You know, even if I had been able to have six months hanging out with her, there's something about being inside someone's head this way. You're in her journals. She really is talking to herself and you're hearing struggles. She questioned her ability for a very, very long time. She struggled with writer's block. She struggled with her shyness. She struggled with so much and it's heart-wrenching. I wanted to like hug her, you know, like, you know, we're in the future now and I can see you're gonna be okay. You know, it was one of those things. And then I would leave on a Friday afternoon and I would be in her head all weekend. It's an experience that the word intimate doesn't even, I don't think, convey what it really felt like and still feels like. One of the ones that I noted that we, all of us who are in the archives, we kept gravitating toward the one that says, so be it, see to it, you know? So that's the one that really struck me, you know, like she wanted to be a best-selling writer. She wanted to be free and clear, which is the name of my piece. She wanted to have enough money to pay her bills and have a house and do her writing full-time. And so those affirmations are the ones that really stand out. I mean, she literally did write herself into being. You know, she, she was able to fulfill that dream of being free and clear. From her time in the archive, George was able to finally interview Butler, pulling questions and answers that Octavia herself had jotted down. Here she is reading an excerpt of her new work in front of a live audience during an event at Clock Shop. So here is the Q&A, or part of it. Sense of place. The black sharp line of mountains against the pre-dawn sky, the bumps of trees, the lights of communication towers, the bony clear silhouettes of same. I've never felt as though I were making any of this up. Question, Octavia? Answer, you mean that tall girl who is always writing? Question, Who is Octavia Butler? Where is she headed? Where has she been? Please use my middle initial. Who is Octavia E. Butler? Who am I? I'm a 41-year-old writer who can remember. I am a 43-year-old writer who can remember being. I am a 46-year-old writer who can remember being a 10-year-old. I am a 48-year-old writer who can remember being a 10-year-old writer. I am a 50-year-old writer who can remember being a 10-year-old writer and who expects. I am a 52-year-old writer who can remember being a 10-year-old writer and who expects someday to be an 80-year-old writer. After a day spent at the archive... George would note whenever an address would appear in Butler's writings, driving to the spot that had been mentioned. And that's the beauty of Butler's papers living in the landscape where they were created. The sights, sounds, smells of her life are now a part of the experience for artists and writers coming to the Huntington to better understand Butler's work. It's like she came home again. So many people in Pasadena and Altadena will have known her. And, and to know that her papers have come home again and they're right here 
in her hometown, I think is terrific. Uh, there's nothing wrong if they had gone someplace else, but I think this is just an extra kind of more icing on the cake. This is her territory, and it's as though she continues to reside here. She continues to live on. Radio Imagination is an exploration of the life, work, and influence of Octavia E. Butler. It's all being produced by Clockshop. We're a nonprofit organization that works at the intersection of culture, politics, and urban space in Los Angeles. At clockshop.org, you can see the full list of our live events around Los Angeles and videos of Octavia Butler and the people who knew her. You can also sign up for an email newsletter and get updates on the project. I'm Savannah Wood. Thanks for listening.